The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Article 3 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church states that we believe in the doctrine of election, predestination, and the final perseverance of the saints through grace, and that God chose his people in Christ before the world began. You may recall that these Articles of Faith were adopted by seven charter members of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in 1847, and we still believe these Articles of Faith today. Today, we begin looking at this precious doctrine of election as it's set forth in the Word of God. We first want to deal with what the doctrine of election does not mean. There are several misconceptions out there about election and predestination, especially in our part of the country where most of the primitive Baptist churches veered off into an extreme form of Calvinism known as absolutism about a hundred years ago. We need to set the record straight from the outset about what predestination and election are not about in order for us to understand what they really are about. In this first couple of messages, we deal with two things that have arisen as misconceptions about what we believe is primitive Baptists. First, we'll talk about the heresy of absolutism, and then we'll talk about the issue of double predestination, which is a concept that says that God not only predestinated his people to be conformed to the image of his son, but also actively predestinated the non-elect to be sent to hell. We don't believe in double predestination because, as we'll see from Scripture, men don't need God's help getting to hell. We're headed merrily on our way there through the sin of Adam and through our own predisposition to sin. And then we'll talk about a couple of other misconceptions about what primitive Baptists believe about election and predestination in a future message. But ultimately, we'll see that the doctrine of election as set forth in the scriptures is one of the most precious teachings in the Word of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
morning I want to read to you articles 3, 4, 5, and 6 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. You may recall that we've been in a series about the kingdom of God, which I believe that's being referred to by Jesus there is the church of the living God. That's the kingdom that Jesus and John both said is at hand, and it is still at hand today. I want to read all four of these articles because they are so interconnected, it's hard to separate them. But I also want to tell you that, uh, that these articles of faith are almost identical and vary only in minor details with the articles of faith of almost every Baptist church, a missionary Baptist, Southern Baptist, or whatever kind of Baptist there, there is, if it was constituted in the early 1900s back into the 1800s. Now, I'm not talking about more modern constituted churches. But, for instance, we'll see in a moment, I looked up the Articles of Faith of Duns Creek Missionary Baptist Church, where my mother grew up and where I actually grew up for several years over in Ecola. And you're going to see an interesting parallel. It was constituted in 1834. So a few years before Zion. But in 1847, Zion Church was constituted and the charter members adopted these articles of faith. So listen, if you have them, you can read along. If not, I, have, I do have copies out there, but you don't have to have a copy uh, to read along. But listen to these articles of faith. Article 3, we believe in the doctrine of election, predestination, and the final perseverance of the saints through grace and that God chose his people in Christ before the foundation of the world. Article 4, we believe in the doctrine of original sin and impotency of man's recovery in and of himself from the fallen state in which he is in by nature. Article 5, we believe that sinners are justified only in the sight of God by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Article 6, we believe that God's elect shall be called and regenerated and sanctified by the Holy Ghost. That's Articles 3 through 6 of the Zion Primitive Baptist Articles of Church's Articles of Faith. And I want to affirm to you from the outset that that's what we still believe today. I think that's amazing, and I'm thankful for that, that uh, that, that these articles of faith that were, con that were uh, adopted when this church was constituted 175 years ago almost are still in effect today. There's a reason for that. You remember Article 2? We believe the Word of God is the only rule of faith and practice, that they're the inspired scriptures. You see, the reason we can still claim to believe these today is not because they were so eloquent in the way they wrote them, or because they were so smart in thinking these up. Because I want to tell you, 
uh, <laughs> I'm not smart enough to think these up myself. The reason we can still believe them today is because they are founded on the Word of God. And this morning, what I want to preach to you about is primarily from Article 3 about the doctrine of election. The doctrine of election. That's a big subject. Uh, I hope it's precious to you. If you don't, let me say it this way. If it's not precious to you, it may be you don't quite understand it the way the Bible is teaching it. I don't say that from an arrogant standpoint. I say that from the standpoint of I didn't always understand it. But once I could see what it's talking about in the Scriptures, it's the most precious teaching of God's Word to me. It's so precious, fitting right in with all of the other things that we need to know about our eternal salvation. Remember the big God theology we talked about as we started this series? That means that he is also a big God when it comes to our eternal salvation. So, so this doctrine of election fits right into the big God theology. And, you know, sometimes we'll be asked, what do we believe as primitive Baptists? And, and sometimes that means you've got hours to talk to people and explain to them what you believe. If you do, that's great. Spend a lot of time going to a lot of scriptures. If you don't have it a few seconds, say, you know... Uh, what we really believe is found in Matthew 121 when the angel Gabriel came to Joseph and said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And remember verse 21, For she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt name his, uh, call his name Jesus. Just about everybody in the Christian religions of the world believe that part. But this is what we believe to, the, to almost the exclusion of nearly all other denominations is that he says, for he shall save his people from their sins. You can just lay that out there and say, we believe he did that. We believe he did that. And, this, and that's, that come, that's where the doctrine of election comes in. And that's what the charter members of this church believe. And that's what we believe today. Not because we're some great theologians, but because we believe that the Word of God teaches this. I said earlier that it's an interesting point that these articles of faith are almost identical with the original articles of faith of every missionary Baptist church, particularly in this area, if it was constituted in the early 1900s or back. I want to read you Duns Creek Missionary Baptist Church's Article 3 that was adopted in 1834. Article 3 of Duns Creek Baptist Church Articles of Faith says, We believe in the doctrine of election and that God chose his people in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, I haven't personally looked at them, but my brother Tim has, has a copy of the uh, Articles of Faith, the original Articles of Faith of the Pickens County Baptist Association, which is made up, still made up, still exists today, made up of all the missionary Baptist churches. Most of them, I guess all of them, probably are Southern Baptist churches today. And in that original uh, copy of the uh, Articles of Faith, there's a, a article of faith that's almost identical to what we have here at Zion Church. In fact, Tim told me last night it was really written a little better. <laughs> he said, I really like the way they put it a little better than the way we have it in ours. Now, now, let me also stop here and say this. I'm not calling these names to, to, to try to uh, make some kind of an attack on them. I'm just trying to, trying to lay out for us this morning that Zion Primitive Baptist Church wasn't some offshoot, some renegade-type church back in 1847 that came up with something new. At that time, 
Almost all the Baptist churches in this area particularly believe the same things. We know there are still some independent Baptist churches around today that mostly believe the same things that we believe. I mentioned one this morning. But uh, so my point is that this is not some outlier. We are not some bunch of crazy folks. Now, we may be a bunch of crazy folks, but it's not because we believe this, okay? <laughs> people may say, well, they should, you know, we're told that we're to be a peculiar people. They may say, yeah, them folks at Zion are really peculiar. But uh, anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that what we believe here at one time was not an outlier. It was the, it was the mainstream belief of Baptist churches. Now, another thing I want to say before we go any farther is this. Election and predestination are realities in God's Word. Turn with me over to the ninth chapter of Romans, and we're going to read just a few verses here. I want to show you that I'm not just making this up. Election and predestination are realities in God's Word, and you've got to do something with it. Some ignore it. I know many uh, churches uh, that people I've talked to from other churches where it's never mentioned from the pulpit. You've either got to ignore it, you've got to accept it, you've got to reject it, or you've got to explain it away in somehow. somehow. I, I'm thankful that here at this church, I believe we accept it as it is because that's what thus saith the Word of God. Romans chapter 9, and beginning in verse 9, we're jumping in the middle of something here uh, about God talking to, about, or Paul there talking about uh, his brethren, the Jews. But notice what he says in verse 9. This is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. Now look at verse 11. Sometimes you have to figure out what God's talking about, but sometimes he just hits you upside the head and said, hey, here's what I'm talking about. Notice what he says. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Now, I think we can conclude from this verse alone that what's under consideration here is the purpose of God according to election. He's talking about the doctrine of election. And he goes on to say, It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, I just want to say this, that, uh, that what he's using here are these two twin boys to show us uh, uh, the one representing God's elect children, the one representing God's non-elect. And he says here, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I heard a lot of preaching through the years emphasizing the Esau have I hated part. But I want to say to you this, I, don't, I can understand that. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you had a perfect day? I'm talking about a perfect day serving the Lord. Have you had one so far today? Today's the Lord's day. Surely this ought to be a perfect day. Surely, preacher, surely the preacher standing before you has had a perfect day because I'm standing up here to preach to you about the rich truths of God's Word. And I'm, uh, isn't, the pre isn't the preacher some kind of holy man? Don't, you know, I've known churches that have lifted their preacher up to the status of uh, just under the Lord and, and said, you're way up above us. Well, I hate to burst your bubble. <laughs> But the man standing before you today is not a holy man, not in and of myself. And I'll tell you this, I have already sinned this morning. I hadn't gone out and robbed a bank. I hadn't murdered anybody, but I've sinned in my heart. I've sinned in my mind. 
I have done things already that I'm ashamed of. And I've confessed to the Lord to forgive me here in time because I am such a sinful man. I've had to pray to God to give me the strength to stand here this morning knowing what a sinner I am and be able to stand here in front of you. I want to hide my face. I want to run from here because I don't deserve to be here. But praise God, His mercy is great and His grace is free. And I'm so thankful that He doesn't expect me to stand here and preach to you out of my own wells of spirit. He's given me the spirit. He has to if there's going to be any preaching. So these, these doctrines, though, are realities in God's Word. And what I was saying here, what I was talking about from verse 13 is, I can understand the Esau part. What I can't understand is how he could love Jacob. Have you ever read about Jacob and his life? What a conniver, what a schemer, what a sinner he was. And yet God loved him. Before we go any further, go back to chapter 8. You know, I said earlier that the doctrine of election and predestination are realities in God's word. You've got to deal with it somehow. So in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, notice what he says. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And you know the rest of that, he justified and he glorified. There it is again. If you, you don't have to turn there, but if you turn sometime and read the first chapter of Ephesians, you're going to hear about, read about God choosing us in Christ before the foundation of the world. You've got to deal with that somehow. You've got to explain that somehow. Now, having said all that, I don't know that I'll get to the explanation this morning because I think the first thing that we need to look at is what we do not believe the Bible to teach about the doctrine of election and predestination. Because here at this church in particular, there have been times when this church did not get it right. There was a time the church was off base on what predestination was all about. So I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. If we have time, maybe we'll get to some of the more details about the doctrine of election. But just understand that the doctrine of election simply says this that God chose his people in Christ before the foundation of the world, and that in time, those people that were chosen in Christ, were paid, their sins were paid for on Calvary by the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross, and in their lifetime, sometime between conception and death, they will be born again by the direct operation of the Holy Spirit. That's all contained in that, in, as at least corollaries to the doctrine of election. That's what we have under consideration this morning. Now, let's talk about a few things we don't believe. First of all, we do not believe that the Bible teaches the absolute predestination of all things. There was a time when I believed that. When I was a young man, about 15 years old, I was what we would call an absoluter. And I was trying to explain the doctrines of grace to a friend of mine who was a senior in high school. I was about ninth or 10th grade. And I was trying to explain the doctrines of grace to a friend of mine um, who did not believe the doctrines of grace. And he got a little mad at me. I, I, pro I thought I was being charitable and loving, but knowing my 15-year-old self, I probably wasn't. So, so uh, there came a point where I was trying to explain to him about this absolute predestination of all things. And he got so mad that he hit me. <laughs> hit me on the leg. He didn't hit me in the face. 
He said, well, was that predestinated? And you know, it kind of took me aback. I had to think. I said, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess it was. Because <laughs> uh, that's what I believed at the time. But, and that's, that's, a, that's a, a belief called absolutism. You'll hear sometimes, you'll hear it called fatalism. And that, that belief simply says that all things, including sin, are eternally set in the plan of God and cannot be varied. In other words, we're essentially all puppets in everything we do, and there is no such thing as free will whatsoever in our earthly lives. We do not believe that at this church. I heard a preacher say one time, Elder Armand Rich over at Bethlehem, he said, if you get anything but people into predestination, you've got problems. In other words, we should never get the events of life mixed up with the predestination of God. You see, the things that happen, and, and by the way, this came in in the early 1920s from really, from what I understand, it came in from Texas, and it began, some preachers began to preach it, and, and unfortunately, my great-grandfather, Grandpa Wes McCoo, who pastored this church, um, some of him and some others allowed that to come in. And that's where this church veered off the path for many, many years, many decades, actually. And just for you, the record, Bethlehem over there, which was closely related. In 1900, our church extended the arm of fellowship to organize Bethlehem into a church. They stayed the course of the old line beliefs. And that they ended up not having fellowship with Zion for 80 to 100 years over this issue. And ultimately, by the way, uh, when this church started coming back and Aunt Lorene uh, converted the church back to its old roots and to these old articles of faith that, that were sound and based on the scriptures, it was Bethlehem who had helped to do that through Uncle Mackey and through Brother Tim and others over there helped to bring us back. So interesting little piece of history there that, uh, that's important, I think, and that's one reason we're so close to Bethlehem, I believe. But going back to this topic of absolutism, this was not the traditional belief of primitive Baptists. But because for several generations this church believed that, that's, and, and other churches in this area, that's what many people think we believe today. And I want to dispel that rumor. I want to dispel that false understanding of what we do believe. You see, we don't believe that God predestinated the events of life. There are those who are true absoluters who would believe that the fact that I have my hand up waving right now was predestinated by God. That's a choice I made. That's not something that God has made me do. Some would say, well, if, uh, uh, if the Lord wants you here in this church this morning, then, then he'll get you here because he's predestinated you to be here or not. No, I got, I got some sad news to tell you. If you don't come to church, it's your fault, not God's. <laughs> okay? Uh, you didn't rob the bank because God made you. You didn't get drunk because God predestinated. Although I've heard a preacher who preaches absolutism say that that was predestinated by God in a certain situation. And this was not the belief of primitive Baptists. We should never get events mixed up with predestination. You say, preacher, do you have anything to prove this? Well, let me, let me go all the way back. You can turn to Romans chapter 5. One of the things that absoluters teach is that is in regard to the fall of Adam. And they teach that Adam was predestinated to eat of the fruit and to fall, that that was part of God's will, that that was part of God's plan was for Adam to do this 
and ultimately so that he could show mercy and grace upon uh, those of his children that are his elect children and that he might get more glory. Now, there's a problem. I have a problem with that teaching. <laughs> just, just the step back before we get to the scripture. I don't believe it's supported by the scripture. In fact, I think it's refuted by the scripture. But, but think about this. If God predestinated Adam to fall so that ultimately he could get more glory out of it, that would be akin to me taking my infant child and throwing him in the river and then jumping in to save him so that y'all could praise me for saving that baby. Now that just something doesn't sit right with that, does it? Just to hear it like that. But again, you say, preacher, we don't go on feelings, do we? No, we don't. We go on the word of God. If the word of God teaches that, we ought to believe it. If the word of God teaches that God predestinated Adam to fall, that ought to be what we believe. So the question then becomes, did God do this? Does the scripture teach this? Well, I believe it's pretty clear just from one particular verse. There's several, but one particular. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. I want you to read this with me as, as we look at it here. Pay attention to the words. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Notice what he says here. The way we became sinners is by one man's disobedience. The way we became righteous is by one man's obedience. And by the way, that's another message entirely. But notice that in each case, it's only one, right? It's only one. Okay, and that means that the one man who made us righteous did it by himself. <laughs> that's the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? The first one is Adam. And notice what he says, by one man's disobedience. Well, I just, just as a matter of plain English and definitions, obedience cannot be disobedience, and disobedience cannot be obedience. If God predestinated Adam to eat of that fruit, then Adam obeyed the will of God. <laughs> he was not being disobedient. He obeyed it. He did what God planned for him to do, you see. But the Bible teaches here that it, Adam was disobedient. He's the man who plunged us into sin. We're told back in verse 12, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. You see, Adam was being disobedient. He was not predestinated to do what he did. Absoluters, and many, many who claim the title Calvinists even, adhere to this doctrine. And that's really, I, I just want to say, that's why we don't fit very well as primitive Baptists into any category of the religious world. We, we just don't fit very well. I think most of you know these terms, but in the theological circles, the general divisions of people as to their beliefs in eternal salvation are into the categories of Arminianism or Calvinism. James Arminius was a man who wrote a treatise to refute what John Calvin wrote. And he basically said, it's up to you whether you get to heaven or not. You make the choice. You're, it's free will. So we're generally categorized as Arminians or Calvinists. And, and often we're put in the category of Calvinists. But we don't fit real well into any of those categories. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message.
If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.